Hello and welcome into another episode on the Laboom Pastors Blog. I'm Masumba Jonathan. Today's lesson is entitled Acts 4, God's Cornerstone. We're going to begin by reading from Acts chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, which says this. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, by which we must be saved. This analogy of Jesus as a stone is used and described in several places, both in the Old and New Testaments. Peter quotes from Psalm 118, verse 22, and directly correlates its meaning to Jesus. Psalm 118, verse 22 says, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. A cornerstone was once used as the main point of reference for an entire structure. Every stone in a building would be measured and placed in accordance to where it fit with the cornerstone. So first, we can understand the analogy of describing Christ as the cornerstone cornerstone, to describe that every true believer must be in agreement with Christ. He must fit with Christ. You can't be a part of his house while you don't fit with him. Those that refuse his commandments are the people who don't fit with him. King Nebuchadnezzar saw this stone coming to top of nations and kingdoms. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 34, and then verse 44 and 45, we read these things. It says, as you looked, Daniel is speaking to the king. It says, as you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand. And it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation sure. Here, in this passage, the same stone, Jesus, is described as having another purpose. He is appointed to judge the nations. He will crush them and establish his own kingdom, replacing them. Thus we see there are two sides to this stone, which are the two reactions people have to the stone. Jesus said this about himself when he quoted Psalm 118. In Matthew 21, verse 42 and 44, we see this. It says, Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. And Isaiah described the Lord's stone like this. In Isaiah chapter 8, from verse 13 to 15, it says, But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary, and a stone of offense, and a rock of stumbling, 
to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. Jesus is described by God as a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. That's describing a stone out of place on the road that an unsuspecting traveler trips over. For people to come to saving faith in Christ, he must offend them. Jesus offended the Jews all the time. They complained to him that he and his disciples were Sabbath breakers. One occasion is recorded in Matthew 12, verses 1 and 2, where we read, At that time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. The Jews complained that Jesus associated with sinners. In Mark chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, we read, And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. The Jews also complained when the, when the people spoke of Jesus praising him as being God's son. In Luke 19, verses 37 to 40, this is during the recording of the triumphal entry to Jerusalem, it says, as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And ultimately, we know that the Jews crucified Jesus, foretelling them who he truly was. In Luke 22, verse 70 and 71, we read, So they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. How did Jesus' people respond to the cornerstone that God had laid? They tossed it aside. And why did they toss it aside? Why did they reject him? Notice it was because he did not fit at all with what they thought was important or who they thought Messiah would be. He offended them in all these ways where they contradicted what God actually wanted. And that's why they rejected him. Peter accuses the leaders in Acts 4 of being incompetent architects because instead of building the nation on God's rock, they had rejected the rock. They were building on the inventions of their own traditions and interpretations. And that is where we find very many churches today, very many pastors who teach not God's word, but teach their own inventions, their own dreams, things from their own imagination. They distort the word of God. They twist the word of God. They neglect the word of God. They ignore the word of God. 
And they are the same thing that these Jewish leaders were. They find themselves in place where they're going to be crushed by God's cornerstone. The other side, or the other reaction to the stone, is the consequence in a believer's life of coming into contact with this stone of God's. You see, Jesus does not just offend unbelievers, but he also offends people who believe in him, who come to believe in him. There's no person who comes to the cornerstone and finds his or herself already a perfect fit, ready to be fixed in place on Christ. No, we are all rough stones that need a lot of smoothing and a lot of reshaping. It seems we begin this process by first being broken into pieces, and then Christ puts us together how he wants. Peter describes this process this way in 1 Peter chapter 2 from verse 4 to verse 8, where we read, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. We see that believers are unique stones. Normally, if you break a rock, it becomes useless. But we are living stones that the master builder is using to create his spiritual house. We have become the containers for God's truth. We house it, and the home of spiritual sacrifice and worship. This is the Lord's doing, and it ought to be marvelous in our eyes. This lesson flows very well with our studies on the Apostles' Gospel presentation. We've been noticing how the way the Apostles presented the Gospel is far different than the way that we see churches and preachers presenting the Gospel today. There is a way it's very popular to present Christ and Christianity where we remove or try to remove everything controversial and offensive about Jesus. This seems to be done in order for us to be at peace with those who disagree with us and to get more people to at least profess in word to follow Christ, though they don't actually follow him. Michael Card wrote a song called Scandalon, where he sings these words. I want you to listen to what he's saying. He says, the seers and the prophets had foretold it long ago that the long-awaited one would make men stumble. But they were looking for a king to conquer and to kill. Who'd have ever thought he'd be so weak and humble? He will be the truth that will offend them one and all, a stone that makes men stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Many will be broken so that he can make them whole and many will be crushed and lose their own soul. It seems today the scandalon offends no one at all. The image we present can be stepped over. Could it be that we are like the others long ago, 
Will we ever learn that all who come must stumble? Do you understand the point that he's making when he says the image we present can be stepped over? Rather than the gospel being that stone of stumbling, it's like we've tried to move it out of the way lest anybody trip over it, and it does what God put it there to do. Jesus said this about what his message would do in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 to verse 36. We read, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. For any person to be genuinely saved, they have to come to the cornerstone honestly. They have to accept what he says about them and what he says they need and what he says they must do. We try to just say things about Jesus like, oh, Jesus is a healer. He's the provider. He's going to take care of you, etc. But we leave out that Jesus is the judge of our sins. And unless we agree with him about our sin and trust him to save us from it, we will spend eternity in the lake of fire. I once heard an American man say he wanted people to know you can be a practicing homosexual and a Christian at the same time. But the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Telling someone it's okay to remain disobedient to God and yet call themselves a Christian at the same time is a complete lie. You're either on the right side of the stone or the wrong side. So friends, lastly, is Jesus remaking you for his purpose as you submit to him? Or are you being crushed to powder because you have despised God's stone? God bless you all.